Hello and welcome back to the Talk It Like a Man podcast. Um, so this is following on from last week where we had you in here to talk from the talent team to talk about kind of jobs, employment, CVs. Um, so kind of everyone seems to enjoy that. So we're doing a little bit more. Um, so Ewan, uh, obviously, hello, welcome. Hello. Today. Um, very happy and, to have you. Yeah, and Hista, you had some news about kind of entry into the job market, I believe. Yeah, yeah, we were just talking about this before press and record. I uh, finally managed to get into the UK workforce, which is something I've been working on for a very, very long time, longer than it should take anyone. But nevertheless, the process is now behind. Uh, I did have to uh, jump through a lot of hoops to finally get it done. And I wanted to ask you and if he has any, any advice on how to jump through less hoops, if you know what I mean. Hmm. There's, <laughs> there's always quite a few. Um, I'm probably end up just giving you a long list of hoops now, but um, <laughs> I suppose I suppose things to, to think about, and it, I guess it also depends on on where you're from. So if you're a European Union student or an international student, sometimes there's a few extra stages. So there's there's different rules around visas and settlement status and all these kind of things, um, which sometimes mean you've got to do a bit of extra prep, a bit of extra research to work out actually what you're allowed to do, how long people are allowed to stay, all these kind of things, which which add an extra layer. And there's obviously the stages of the job seeking process. You know, there are some people they get jobs. They're really good at getting jobs through networking, being in the right yeah. place, meeting people at the right time. And that in itself is a real, real talent. And then for other people, we kind of often talk about the process of treating getting a job like like a job. So you, it's quite structured. You have regular check-ins. You've got all your alerts set up. Obviously, your CV is up to date. So you might have a CV ready for different types of job that you can just get out there as quickly as possible. Obviously, LinkedIn as well and then there's obviously the bit of you know when you've had your interview hopefully it's the next bit so it, as I said it could be national insurance cards it could be starting dates it could be whether you need to go on holiday first all sorts of things do you negotiate salary you know so a lot of new graduates will think I'm not negotiate salary I can't I don't deserve to negotiate salary but if the job description has a salary scale you're within your rights to ask ask the question you know especially if you've got quite a lot of work experience maybe you're a mature student you've, you've done a lot in the past you've had a placement um, the worst they'll say is no, or they might laugh in your face, but most of the time they won't. Um, I've had situations where I've asked and they've said, no chance, mate. Um, but quite a lot of the time, they at least say, I'll go away and find out. I'll come back. Okay. And even if, you know, you get a few extra hundred pounds a year or, or better, then it's sometimes worth it. So, yeah, there's kind of quite a lot of stages, I guess. Yeah. So in, in your experience, like has has trying to negotiate or going into negotiating process ever hindered the process afterwards or do you think it's just something that employers expect you to do it sometimes depends on the sector so I, I this is a real sweeping statement but i work with a lot of students who want to go into the nhs or mm -hmm. public sector council civil service that kind of thing and it's probably less common in those sectors but it's still it still, still does happen sometimes in the private sector people are a bit more enterprising a bit more confident they might, might be more happy to do it i would say as long as you do it in the right way it's generally fine because ultimately sometimes it's a sign of ambition. You know, it's a sign that you think you're, you're ready for that higher salary, that you've got the right skills for that higher salary. So as long as you're not, um, you know, you don't have like in, a kind of expectations which seem uh, over ambitious and unfair and unfair to other people and you handle it in a polite way. Uh, and also the other thing when negotiating salaries, often knowing your reasoning. So if you have a, a slight justification, so maybe you've had to move from one area to another, maybe you've got sort of financial demands, 
that make uh, making the decision over the job difficult because of those additional issues, then that often helps as well. Um, and as I said, in my career, I've had situations where I've, I've asked and said, absolutely no chance. We don't, you know, despite the fact there's a scale, we don't pay up it. And they said, well, I think we could probably get you another, you know, another grand maybe, um, something like that. Not always that much. Um, so yeah, no, I'd say as long as you do it in the right way, then it's, it's always worth considering. Definitely. Um, but again, it depends on the job and the, and the circumstances uh, as yeah, well. Yeah, completely. Yeah. Because usually if you're in a, in a market for part-time work or if you're a student trying to put yourself through university, you won't really have the leverage of saying, oh, yeah. I want to have an extra hundred or an extra thousand pounds. Yeah. It'd be you accepting what you get and being happy with it because you finally got the pressure job that you've exactly. been looking yeah. for yeah. so long. Very different. You're looking at graduate jobs to where you're looking at part-time jobs, drawing studies. Like, yeah. so more of that um, the, leverage. The other leverage, I guess, to mention is also the job sector. If you're going to a job sector where they've got enormous shortages of people, like, you know, they've got massive staff, short, staff shortages, which they have over quite a lot of the job market, you're in a, also in a better position because the pain of recruiting, the cost of recruiting, the length of time it takes, they got someone and think, well, I could pay them an extra 2,000 or I could wait for eight month, eight weeks for the next person. I think I'd rather just give that person a bit more money. So if you're going into an in-demand in career, also you've normally got a few more cards you can play. Okay, well. so speaking on that, what do you think are some careers that are in-demand right now? Well, if someone is really, really looking to go into a field that needs people what field should they go to so funny enough I was, I was having a meeting with someone today I mean there's quite a few actually I mean health is always up there like health okay. sector you know we Especially always need now, nurses yeah. we'll always need sort of uh, people in health generally uh, some of the technical areas so IT engineering are always in demand but you know recent you know in the last year during COVID also logistics HGV drivers, food yeah. industry, bricklayers. Like we haven't got enough bricklayers. You know, we can't find enough um, bricklayers and, and sometimes people in construction. Um, so it's not to say there aren't demands in some of the other areas, but they're the ones that often get get the headlines. And um, and sometimes it is possible, you know, if you've got like a certain degree, there's a lot of graduate schemes out there that actually recruit from any, any degree. Mm -hmm. So sometimes it is possible to switch to something different, even if it almost doesn't make sense on paper, it is is possible so i've had psychology students go off and do accountancy for example um well sometimes it's just showing that you're willing to to kind of keep working towards something and and push to that and then they'll accept you onto the kind of the the conversion course or the or the, the different placement um but i think yeah what you said there with with logistics and hgvs it's very interesting i mean that's all over the news at the moment isn't it that that's what we need hg hgv drivers um uh -huh. and so um what do you think kind of, is, is there more that we can do to find out about what support is available when people are with the employers? So obviously we've kind of gone there with different courses that people can look for to, to get into things and kind of switch over from one course to another from psychology to county, like in your example. Yeah. Um, but is there other things kind of that can be expected to be provided by um, employers? I'm thinking kind of on a mental health level. Um, I mean, one thing I'd say, I touched on this a little bit last time, is employers definitely getting more and more savvy to it. Um, partly for very kind of selfish reasons in that recruitment's expensive, people leaving is expensive. Um, people on long-term sickness is also you know, difficult logistically. So there is a, like, there's a business case for doing this stuff. Um, and then for some organisations, 
this might sound a bit cynical, they're like the PR of also showing that they are interested in well-being. Um, but, you know, in saying that, you know, a lot of these companies genuinely, you know, they are getting better at understanding it and better at kind of genuinely caring, I would say. And we've had employers on campus who, you know, really had made it a, a big part of their organisation to look after people's well-being better, I would say. And as well, as we can say with that, because with everything, there's always going to be people that, that use the PR for it. But if they're providing the the support as well, then go for it. Shout it from the rooftops. Yeah, like as long exactly, as you argue yeah. it's the employees. So yeah, yeah. Exactly. And um, so we've actually got, we've got something called Talent Fest coming up, which is a month long event. So that starts on the 4th of October and runs all the way through. So the first week is kind of work, employability workshops. The middle two weeks is all employers. Um, but the final week has got some diversity kind of talks. And we've got a panel event uh, with four employers, which is all going to be about basically equality in the workplace, trying to recruit diverse people. And we're expecting some of them to talk about some of these issues. And that's on the middle of the 25th. So everything's going to be on the Talent Connect system. Um, but we've had talks before, and I think the the best ones um so for a start as i mentioned last time they might be on something like the disability confident list so that's employers that are kind of like officially you would say are inclusive and then they often will um have support during the recruitment process so if you've got someone who has a you know a disability or mental health issue and there's parts of the recruitment process they need support or maybe even adaptions for then they'll look at that and then also if you decide not to disclose something during that process, because a lot of people, are, probably the majority of people I work with, even though they can disclose earlier, they like to start a job, get their feet under the table, prove themselves, and then they feel comfortable sharing. Um, you know, and, and also there are a lot of companies get that and they're quite supportive. Um, some, of the, some of the big companies have got big forums, like staff forums to help people as well. Um, sorry. No, I was going to ask, so you said that some could be quite supportive. If somebody chose to not disclose um, a mental health um, kind of concern or issue, like even if it hasn't, if, it is, if it's been something diagnosed or if there's just ongoing issues, can the employer treat them negatively because of that? Can, can there be any kind of negative outcome from withholding it? So legally, no. So under the Equality Act, um, so if you've got like a recognized or long-term sort of chronic condition, for example, you don't actually have to disclose it at any stage legally. So, you you know, a lot of people do pre-application, uh, interview stage, pre-start or, or after, but actually you don't have to disclose it. Um, there are some employers who unfortunately are not the most supportive and, and don't get it. And there might be individuals and that, that unfortunately does, does happen. Um, but, but there's others who are you know, happy to sort of support people and, and make adaptions. Uh, the only thing that sometimes sometimes employers, the good employers might say is, I just wish you told us earlier, because you know what, we could have done something about this. Yeah. And maybe you've been struggling for six months. And have we known? So, for example, you've got people with you know significant mental health problems might be on strong, really strong medication. And for them, doing a first meeting of the day, 8.30 or 9, is a nightmare because they've got a bit of a medication hangover. For an employer, that's a pretty simple adaption. You know, no meetings before 10 or whatever. Um, so, yeah, so that's something some employees might say, we well, you know what, I just wish you'd trusted us earlier, but I can completely understand why some people are cautious. Yeah, it would fully depend on whether you, as you say, trust the employer, whether you think they'll do, they'll do you right with the information that you're disclosing to them. So it would be pretty specific to, uh, to certain uh, situations yeah but then it's very good to know that they can't do anything they, you can't be in trouble for it 
you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's not like lying on a, on a document. That's why I was thinking, if, if, yeah. is there any kind of negative outcome from not disclosing it? Because that way then, depend, it, obviously if someone feels more confident about disclosing it beforehand, they can, but then at the same time, they are confident that once they're in the role, they can speak out and get the support that, that's needed or that could be offered. Yeah, and, and legally the Equality Act protects them. I mean, as I said, there are there is sometimes you know improper behavior by employers that but you know that could happen almost with any any sort of diversity based issue you might have someone yeah. who's a single parent or a care or got disability and then that that can happen but the law protects people and you do occasionally see people in employment tribunals because it isn't handled well by employers but that's the absolute worst kind of worst case scenario but i guess sometimes you just get a feel for an organization from interview onwards as to whether they're the kind of organization you feel ready to share stuff with or not i suppose as well yeah and um, for sure like with someone like you who's been doing this for a, a long time now you've you've managed to witness a transition from a from a past that doesn't offer as much uh, support diversity and everything else we've are striving towards now has the has the process been gradual or have you seen like a massive and rapid shift and in, in towards like the attitude uh, towards people and their issues i would say because a lot of the time i'm dealing with quite well, we, we're advising students from quite big employers and they often have the resources to, to do some things so they've got the marketing and they've got that they can change their recruitment processes um and they can change maybe the way they assess you know, applicants a bit more easy than maybe a small employer. Not say small employers can't do it. Sometimes they can give a really great, small, bespoke support to people. But I would say it's definitely improving, partly because um, big employers, some of the, the big, you know, organisations are, are missing out on people because they're intimidated by even applying. Well, I was going to say, actually, on that, I did see something recently that was uh, about one of the big multinationals based in America um, that was changing its its kind of uh, drug use policy but with things being decriminalised and um, because suddenly mm. they were missing a massive swathe of the population that they couldn't employ. So they were looking at changing their their, their regulation, policy, yeah. their policy, mm. sorry, yeah, their internal policy in line with that because actually there was all these people that they clearly wanted to employ, they needed staff, but because of their policy, they couldn't. Yeah. And, you you know, ultimately you're wasting talent. And I mean, one thing we had an, a big accountancy firm come onto the campus probably about three or four years ago when I was working with psychology and they said, we, we want to get in front of your psychology and your biomedical science students, right? That's our target. We want as many of them to apply as possible. And we're kind of thinking, don't get me wrong, great students, but, but why kind of why us? Uh, and they kind of said, well, firstly, there's a whole cohort of people aren't even applying who are very talented. They don't even know we're there. They don't even know they can apply. And then secondly is actually our workforce doesn't reflect our customers. So like we've got a very, I guess, fairly affluent, you know, white middle-class set of workers. And actually they don't reflect the customers we work with all the time. So we need more diverse people. Um, also because they see the world differently as well as being a bit more reflective. So actually there's, you know, there's also, I've been to talks, they say, actually big companies, that pro since we started recruiting more diverse people, our profits have gone up. So again, there is sometimes a business case as well as a moral case um, for recruiting more people. So it's definitely got, it's definitely got better for all sorts of reasons, but we're starting to see employers, if they're doing their standard pitch at a talk, you know, that they come every year, here's our standard pitch. 
they're now starting to talk more about diversity and it's other little things like um welfare type things like we'll give you your birthday off we'll give you a week off a year to come up with your own ideas we'll that we've got a gym on site you know the, all these sort of little bits of welfare stuff are starting to starting to come in so um yeah um I mean, the, the cynical side would say if you put a gym on site and a cafe on site, then people are just going to work longer. But <laughs> that's that's the cynic in me, I suppose. Yeah, I, I mean, with, with exactly what you just mentioned, like because obviously uh, back where I'm from, things in regards to diversity, inclusion, welfare haven't been as advanced as they have been here. I have been just starting to notice now that companies are even there are getting on that train and, and trying to make it more appealing for for their employees to and not even employees applicants as well just to get in the in the ground floor and and give them a chance so it's exactly what you mentioned like giving them birthdays off uh, extra extra holiday and things like that making it uh, so for example my dad because uh, i've got a little sister who goes to school and on the 15th of september which is the first official school day uh, my dad's company gave him like a, a little gift bag for everyone who had a kid so they can bring to the kids and like say, oh, this is from my, from my company. So yeah, it's, it's little things like that to just mention, yeah. And they do make you feel a bit more included, but also, you know, stuff like retention, if those little details, you might think, well, I'm quite happy where I am. You know, what happens if I go somewhere else? I'm not treated so well. well yeah, um, actually, on both of them, that I know my, my, my sister's employer and my dad's employer both kind of often give away yes branded things but but things and actually i mean it all means that we're representing the the, the organization even though we have no links to them because they will give and it's um portable phone chargers umbrellas jackets and all your pens pencils and they often just have these to give out to friends and family and it is that kind of keeping keeping the people like the, the people around the employee as well happy um because I think it's, it's the retention and the, the keeping people in the jobs I think is definitely what people are looking for now. Um, yeah. And the other thing we, I meant to mention earlier, actually, is obviously with the world changing in terms of working from home. So say you're someone who maybe has an anxiety or depression and the thought of going into a big city every day is enough to put you off applying. Mm. But you now know you only have to do that once a week or twice a week. Mm -hmm. You know, say you know your boss, because a lot of bosses now are saying, we don't really care how you do it. Just get the work done. I don't care if you do 4 a.m. till 6 a.m. and, you know, three hours in the afternoon, you know, and that allows you to pick your kids up or, you know, help out with care and responsibilities or, you know, just for stuff, other stuff you want to do. You know, the, again, the welfare of those people might be improved. But also, again, you know, we have a lot of people, or a lot of students who want to stay in the West Midlands for all sorts of family reasons. If you can work from home, that means you can work anywhere. You could work in Manchester or London or abroad, even in some cases. So yeah. hopefully all of that, that flexibility will mean that more people think they can apply for different roles as well, hopefully. Yeah, and I do know already, because I know quite um, a couple of friends of mine who have been kind of were um, kind of normal in, in person working from office and um, beforehand, and then obviously went completely to working from home and loved it and are now being allowed a lot more freedom because it's that exact thing of as long as you get the work done and people are finding that actually they're doing more quicker from home in their own environment than they would be after driving in and getting annoyed in, on the commute and then having the 20 minute talk with a colleague in the morning like 
Uh, so I think businesses will definitely jump on it because it's going to be a lot more efficient. And there was a report in the Guardian probably about, probably about six weeks ago saying the average worker is doing an extra half an hour to an hour, probably a day. Yeah. Yeah. So actually, you know, the average, I don't know, say the average working week's 37 hours and they're getting, actually they're getting 41 or 42 out of people now. Yeah. Um, and the only downside is there are people who genuinely work from home, sends them around the bend. Like actually working from home is not good for their welfare. Yeah. Um, so there are people I work with, they're like, I can't wait to get on campus. Um, so that, but, but as well, yeah. I think the, the, the difference will be because, because it was enforced work from home so far. Like for the past two years, we've, I mean, even studying, um, obviously we've been back this week um, kind of on campus and being able to kind of walk between lectures and have a coffee and, and sit and talk to a colleague for five, 10 minutes was such a bizarre thing that we could do it again. And it is even now with kind of people, the majority of people double vaccinated and so not having as many masks on campus so i think that, that people will find the balance of kind of working from home or mobile working agile working to working kind of completely in the office um and i think it will kind of bounce back and for the, some people it'll be perfect and they'll be able to do it however much they want yeah i mean at the moment we are like talent team, we're we're three days in, two days at home. That's that's our current pattern, um, and that's you know that's that's you know I must admit for me personally that's great because it's t the two days where I have to pick my kids up and drop them off when I'm normally driving down the M40 in a slightly perilous way. I'm now at home and I've got a ten minute drive and I'm less stressed and I'm less angry. I'm probably a slightly nicer person to live with. Um, it's all those things. So yeah, there's, it's definitely becoming more more common and. Some people would probably better work from home, like we said, pretty much all the time. Okay. Um, so because we kind of have to wrap this up, do you want to tell us again about the event that you have coming up that you mentioned before? Yes. So um, future, oh God, I always called it wrong. I can't get it wrong. Anyway, Careers Fest, basically. Um, so it's a month long. So it's starting on the 4th of October, runs all the way through to the end of October. So it's, it's four weeks. The first week is general kind of like employability workshops, CVs, getting the best out of LinkedIn, understanding the job market type stuff. The middle two weeks are all employer-led events. So we've got, you know, civil service, NHS, county firms, engineering firms, construction, you know, every business area is represented uh, as much as we can. Yep. So that will be kind of employees talking about vacancies, opportunities, training. And then the last week is a bit of a mix. So we've got some equality events. We've actually got some KUSU um, coming and doing some talks as well. Uh, we've got some panels as well, panel events. We've got a talk from our um, internal teacher training provider. So our, we've now got a PGCE at the uni. So they're coming in hopefully and doing a talk on the Thursday. So yeah, essentially, if you're interested, if you just go on the Talent Connect system and look on the events tab, um, everything is going to be on there and live within the next week or so. And then you just need to book on and then everything's yeah. online. So it's completely online uh, month. Um, and yeah, hopefully that'll be something there to interest you. Oh, yeah. So I think we'll add, yeah. we'll add links into the, the description um, so here that are easy yeah. to find. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I mean, with that, uh, I think it is time for us to, to go. Well, you and it has been amazing having you again. I think you've offered us some incredible insight and I know I've learned things just just listening to you talk for 20 minutes. So 
I would highly encourage people to to book on to the to the careers fest that you have coming up. And with that said, it's been a pleasure, Josh, Ewan, the listeners. We'll see you very soon next time with a very very special surprise or two. We'll see. Until then, have a good time. Bye bye. Goodbye. Goodbye.